He's back. I've never been away. Welcome back to another edition of the GP Fans Stewards Room podcast. Mexico perhaps wasn't the most thrilling entertainment on track on Sunday, but it seemed like Red Bull had a touch of the Nostradamus as they'd worked out everything they wanted to do before Sunday's race even began, and they executed it almost to perfection, which I'm hoping we will do today in a similar fashion here on the podcast. Myself, Ollie Wilson, joined as always by Ian Parks, Sam Hall, and Ewan Gale. Gentlemen, delighted to be chatting with you once again as we try and break down what was 71 laps of pretty much a procession, Ian, for Max Verstappen. How are you doing this weekend, mate? Is it difficult being in the UK for these events rather than being trackside? Oh, you sarcastic sod. Thank you very much for that introduction. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> just, just because I attended the Austin Grand Prix and you guys were all jealous, that's what it's all about. Don't, don't get me wrong on that one. <laughs> Uh, listen, I'm a bit concerned, actually, this podcast might only last about five minutes, given what we saw on Sunday. But I do have a conversational hand grenade to throw into this one. So that will get us all spoked up later on. Oh, well, don't t- pull the pin too early, whatever you do, because I'm still going to introduce the other two guests. Sam Hall as well, uh, joining us today. Sam, how are we doing, mate? All, all fine and dandy in your neck of the woods? Yeah, all good here. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the hand grenade of um, Ian's predictions from this weekend, which... Uh, they went hilariously wrong, to be honest, at turn one, mostly. I don't think many of us did that well, and especially with Ewan. You were quite gutsy going for a win for Pierre Gasly, I believe, not to reveal too much too early. Yeah, well, someone's got to someone's go there, haven't they? But there was method in the madness, let's just say that. Uh, there's always a bit of method. Well, if you got it right, you'd have been an absolute hero this Monday. Oh, exactly. So exactly. You, went, you went big or go home. I like that. Uh, look, before we dive into everything, just a reminder, if you like the podcast, get on to Anchor.fm, our host, and all good podcasting outlets to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. On YouTube, of course, hit the subscribe button down below and get on to Twitter and Instagram at GPFansGlobal, where you can follow these three gentlemen as they put their fine fingers to work all day, every day following the great sport of Formula One. Right, let's dive into the Mexico Grand Prix and the action from Sunday. And it all came down to turn one, Sam, wasn't it? That was the big decision. We had the Mercedes on the front row with the Red Bulls behind them on the grid. And what was going to happen on the long drag down to those first few corners and who was going to come out the other side on top. And it kind of worked to perfection for Christian Horner and Red Bull and particularly, of course, for Max Verstappen. Well, weirdly, on Saturday with qualifying, no one expected Mercedes to be on the front row. Everyone thought Mercedes second row behind Red Bull. Where you want to start for the Mexico Grand Prix or Mexico City Grand Prix is that second row. You get a powerful toe for about 900 metres down to the first corner. And Max used it to perfection. Valtteri left the door open for him on the outside, yes, but... What a move from Max to go round the outside of both Mercedes, avoid... A spinning Bottas in the end. Um, the race was won there. That was it. If he had been behind going out of the first three corners, I think Lewis would have won that. I don't think tactics or anything could have changed it. And I don't think overtaking was really on the menu there either. We saw everyone struggled, not just Valtteri Bottas this week. Um, so, yeah, I genuinely think if he hadn't made that move at turn one, that was Lewis's race. Um, 
and boy, that would have been a shock. Ian shaking the head nah. immediately. I mean, I'm, I'm nah. with. I think I'm with Ian on what he's about to say, but I want to hear yeah. what he's got to say. Just pace alone. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Red Bull absolutely creamed it in that race. I got to say because their pace, as Lewis pointed out, as Toto pointed out was half a second a lap quicker. Yeah, I understand your problems about following, but there were still overtakes further down the field, but there were still still overtakes. And with that kind of pace advantage that he had in the race, he would have got Lewis at some point, either with a genuine overtake or I'm pretty confident with strategy because um, as I thought, as we saw in, in Austin, where uh, Max followed Lewis for quite some considerable time, he kept within a second there. Am I right in saying that? Is that the right race? Yeah, that's yeah, what I yeah. thought. We're, we're doubting ourselves then. Yeah, yeah exactly. you are right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think for a second, it's all these one AM finishes for the past four nights. That's all I can say, guys. But yeah, he, you know, he stayed, he stayed within him there, and I'm pretty confident he would have done the same within Mexico, in Mexico City as well. And at some point, he would have got him. So yeah, sorry, mate, I've got to disagree with you there, son. My evidence for that argument was the pace difference between Sergio Perez late on in the race, skipping ahead, and. Lewis Hamilton. Sergio had a similar pace advantage, but as soon as he got into six tenths, 1.1 seconds back, he couldn't do anything. The turbulent air just destroyed him, even with DRS almost lap in, lap out. Um, that's the only reason I think Max might have struggled to get past Lewis. But would not, before the, the pit yeah. stops, before the pit stops, that would have been slightly different though, wouldn't it? I mean, we're talking about they could have either tried the undercut Red Bull and used that additional pace that they had in that first and only round of pit stops that we had, we were talking about why Austin was so thrilling because we had a two-stopper and it changed the strategy. But Red Bull could have used that one stop to their uh, will, basically, and timed their moment to get the extra power down, get the force down, particularly on the medium tyres, Ewan. I mean, this was something that we saw on Friday's practice session. Toto Wolff alluded to it in his post-race comments that, and we saw with Sergio Perez in particular on Friday, he was putting in some pretty stellar laps on the long runs on the medium tyre. And while Mercedes seemed to save something on the softs for qualifying, it was that medium tyre that was always going to be vital for Red Bull and finishing and getting the victory that they wanted. Yeah, it was. Sergio and Max were pretty much dead level through Friday and Saturday morning practice um, on those longer runs. And this is where I tend to go with yourself and Ian a little bit more on the outcome of the race is that Okay, I totally get the point about not being able to follow. And to be honest, I thought it was a bit of a sad reflection on F1 that Sergio, who was 1.2 seconds faster than Hamilton, then couldn't get through. Um, Red Bull still had two cars at the front compared to Mercedes 1, of course, with Bottas being spun at turn 1. So Red Bull always had the high ground with the, uh, with the strategy. So, you know, they could have pulled Perez early to bring Hamilton in and then maybe Hamilton would have had really poor tyres at the end. They could have brought Verstappen in to play an undercut and then really put Hamilton under the cosh. Do they cover off Verstappen? Do they go to their own uh, set plans? So I, I think it was always Red Bulls to win in honesty, as soon as they got through uh, on lap one. And even if they hadn't got through with what happened to Valtteri, the two against one sort of always played it towards their hands. So, yeah, a shame we didn't have the overtaking, a shame we didn't have the really full-on tussle that we had in Austin. But sometimes you just got to take your hat off as well. And Max was absolutely outstanding all day. I mean, we barely saw him on the coverage. There, there was no need to go to him. He was just weaving through the back markers by the end and, and doing his own thing. Winning, winning by 16 and a half seconds just shows how dominant he was. 
Would anything have changed, perhaps, if it had been Bottas, then Hamilton in the middle, and then Max on the outside going into that first corner? Would that order, because we, of course, had Max on the outside, Hamilton on the inside, and Bottas sandwiched in the middle, almost as like a buffer of the leading two in the Drivers' Championship. Do you think we would have seen any sort of differentiate tussle going into that first corner, Ian? Yeah, I think Lewis would have covered off that uh, racing line going into turn one. Um, we, we saw what happened two years ago in 2019 when the Ferraris were on the front row. Lewis was third, Max was fourth. Sebastian, I think, was on there had started second. I think Charles was on pole. Sebastian, uh, they both got a great start. Sebastian immediately pulled over onto the racing line and pushed Lewis wide. So Lewis had got really nowhere to go, and that's why then we saw Lewis and Max tangle, going back to 2019, through turns one and two. For whatever reason, and this is where my conversational hand grenade is now going to come in, Valtteri pulled across to the middle. Surely, surely anybody, any driver with an ounce of common sense, you're going to cover off the guy immediately behind you, in this case with Valtteri, Max. My question is this. Did Valtteri do that on purpose? No. Straight off and, the and, but, but let me, this is why it's going to be such a hand grenade. I can understand him wanting to play 18 game and to leave Mercedes at the end of this season, helping the team win yet another Constructors title. I do not believe he wants to leave Mercedes at the end of this year with Lewis winning yet another driver's title. So was there an ounce of him that thought, I'm just going to leave this here and move across to the middle? And Toto said it, that Valtteri opened the sea, his quote, unquote. Lewis said it, he opened the door. Why? Why did he do that? Why did he allow Max that free run down the outside? Brilliant. Don't get me wrong, superb piece of braking to outbreak both Mercedes into that turn one. But why was that door left wide open? Just a strange one for me. And as, I'm, as I say, I'm throwing it out there. Let's see what the response is, guys. I just want to ask why you say Bottas doesn't want Hamilton to be driver's world champion. Before we get into answering that question, yeah. what makes you think that Bottas doesn't want Hamilton to win another title first? Because you got to back up that statement. Yeah, you no, gotta... don't worry. And I am. And I am. Because he has been number two, number two wingman, a term he hates, as we all know, to Lewis throughout pretty much all this time. Yes, he has his days when he produces brilliant qualifying performances and yes, we know he can race when given the opportunity. But he has been beaten by Lewis every single season that he has been with that team. So I have the sneaking suspicion that perhaps, as I say, just this one instance, yes, he's happy to win the Constructors yet again with Mercedes, but he just wouldn't want Lewis to win yet another driver's title. As I say, just throwing it out there. I'm it's... happy you brought it up because I also have a theory about it. I think it was a tactical move, but I think what he's done is he's tried to let Lewis down the inside and have Verstappen come on the outside thinking because he's ahead, he'll have the corner and push Verstappen out across the grass and run him out of road. I think that's what he's gone to do. I think it's just taken them by surprise how good that Red Bull was. 
in uh, under breaking into the breaking zone. That's the only th- unless he's just forgotten that there's road to the left. That's the only thing I can see him doing. Because how do you forget on that long straight that there's road to the left? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How? So that's that's exactly. I think he's done it deliberately. He's left Lewis so much space on the inside. I think he's tried to let Lewis through there and then instead of having to go through the indignity of a team order later on in the race. I think he's tried to let Lewis through. That's my personal view on it. Um, but, yeah, we'll never know, really, will we? Well, I'm going to go with Ian on this one, I think. Um, oh, really? Yeah, oh. I, th- I think I could do with some credits in hand, so I'll go with Ian on this one. <laughs> um, but no, um, I refer you back to Russia. With Valtteri's poor, to put it mildly, defence against Verstappen. When he... Oh, didn't no no move to defend. Similar to this, no move to go and defend the line. Just here you go, Max, go through. Um, and we saw him against other drivers in that race defending. Just on this occasion, he didn't. Um, on the run down to turn one here, he should have been at the left. There's no excuse not to be there. Yes, I get your point, Ewan, that he might have thought I'm on the inside. I've got the corner. But if you're on the racing line, you know exactly where to break. You're not going to overshoot your braking because you've been braking there all weekend. If you're on the inside, slightly offline, you've got to brake earlier. You're not going to carry as much speed into the corner and you're going to lose the position anyway. Factor in as well, there were cars on his inside that he cut right across. And whether or not he should have got a penalty for... Well, Ricardo should have got a penalty for spinning him because of the contact that arguably Bottas did trigger by cutting across him. That's another discussion. But... um. Yeah, Ewan going all there. He doesn't like that one. I'm, I'm treading on his precious Bottas here, aren't I? <laughs> um, but no, um, yes. I, I... Obviously, there'll, there'll never be an admission of it. And I don't Absolutely. even think Bottas is aware of it, potentially. I think it's just something in the back of his head that's going, I don't want to be... I don't want to end my Mercedes career like this. I don't want to be forever seen as a number two driver. Um, unfortunately, he will always be seen as that. Um, like Rubens Barrichello, um, so very, very good driver, but a number two. Come on, Ollie, give us your thoughts now. I think we've got a case. I'm going to have this accused of being sitting on the fence here. I was just about to say this sounds like the start of a fence. This sounds answer. like a fence. Here comes the Ron Seal moment. No, I think <laughs> I think Bottas has just ha- been caught unaware going down about how much room he's leaving at that point because he's more worried about making contact with Hamilton going down towards that first corner. And then I think when they go, when he realizes there's three abreast, like he breaks a lot earlier than the other two, and I think he's just trying to make sure. He doesn't cause any problems by perhaps hitting Verstappen going into that corner and bouncing back into Hamilton that could cause all sorts of problems because he knows as well that Verstappen has the big runoff onto the grass if he needs to bail out at any point or if he overshoots the breaking point of that corner. So I think Bottas has just had a brain melting moment of worrying about his teammate on the inside because don't touch Lewis whatever you do. He's then forgotten about how much room he's leaving on the outside and he's decided I'm out. I'm just but going, out, I'm going not off what you've just said there, though, where's that you said he doesn't want to cause a problem by hitting Max? If you're Mercedes, where's the problem if you hit Max? I mean, yes, don't hit Lewis, but why would you not edge Max to the very, very edge of the track and go, yeah. here's the choice, have an accident if you'd like. 
because if and, if, and if he's worried about hitting Lewis, why does he move across to Lewis's side of the track? Why does he not just keep I have a theory about his that. line, his line going down the outside? So then Lewis has got the inside line because in going across to the middle, he's effectively squeezing Lewis that little bit more when it comes to turn one. Yes, he braked a hell of a lot earlier, and Lewis was able to get through. Was that his plan all along? We don't know. But why still move across? I, I think. Have a- he- I have a potential answer for that. Sorry uh, to cut across, Ollie. Um, Andrew Shovlin um, has sort of hinted that Lewis had a better start and it actually scuppered their plans a bit. Now, what I took from what Shove said is that they wanted Lewis to get into the slipstream behind Bottas. Um, but instead, because he had a slightly better start, he actually got up alongside a lot quicker than they were expecting. So I wonder whether the plan all along was for Lewis to take the real estate that Verstappen had down the outside and pull out from the slingshot effect almost behind Bottas and that Bottas has left that space for that the problem is is that Lewis is already alongside him down the straight is that another reason why it all happened how it did greatest respect but I don't buy that for a second (laughs) you're going to put your two cars in a line and give Max Verstappen a double toe I'm not going to use expletives or anything, but yeah, there's there's a certain phrase that we could use to uh, describe that. I'd say as well that with Bottas taking a slightly more inside route into turn one, going right, opens up an opportunity to perhaps come across and try and defend against Max on the inside of turn two, allowing Hamilton to take this slightly more outside line and get around those two. I wonder if Bottas is perhaps thinking about turns two and three when he then realises they're in a bad situation going into turn one and then he's just not really sure and he's just thought, don't make any contact in the end and then he gets clipped from behind and causes all sorts of problems anyway and Max is able to get through. I think it's just a really bad moment for Bottas where he's it started badly and it snowballed very quickly going through that first corner to the point that he's just spinning out of control. It's it's one that we could debate for quite some time. And as I say, I just threw it out there. I'm not I'm not saying it's genuine uh, that that's what's in his head. I'm just thinking it just seemed just a smack too obvious to me. That he just at some point out in Russia, he did the same. There again, he's done the same. He's let Max through. Why? Why would you do that? I don't know. Anyway, as I say, that was that's just my thinking. So that's turn one covered. What we're we going to discuss now? The rest <laughs> I'm liking these grenades. I'm liking these grenades you're going to keep throwing on us. If you can do another one when uh, from Brazil, that would be great. <laughs> what about the uh, the idea that Max preempted that breaking point? There's no way he could have known that he was going to have that outside line going into turn one. But on his reconnaissance lap, Christian Horner was saying that Max, that's the point where he braked on his reconnaissance lap as if he was working out already where he wanted to go. I mean, Red Bull had a plan already in their minds, as I've said already, and it went to perfection if that if that's the case. But do you really buy that Max thought he was going to get that outside line going into turn one? Because he must have not believed his luck going into that first corner and just seeing nothing but empty space in front of him while he's on the racing line. I'm sure Red Bull had plans A, B, C, Y and Z in their head as to what might take place on that rundown into Turn 1. And that was just one of the scenarios that beautifully unfolded for them. As you say, yeah, he practised it um, on his reconnaissance lap. And guess what? It just so happened that that's the way it unfolded in the race as well. He wouldn't have known that, but it just worked beautifully. And after that, it was just a Max Masterclass, uh, a Red Bull Masterclass 
Um, couldn't have gone any better for them and now Mercedes really are, well Mercedes and Lewis really are on the back foot now going into these last four races. It's going to take quite some turnaround. Um, they're not celebrating yet Red Bull by any means. Adrian Newey has turned around and said, look what happened after the two Austria races. It all blew up in their faces at Silverstone in Hungary. We could yet see something similar. Um, that's probably the only scenario now that is playing into uh, that could play towards Mercedes is that something major happens for Red Bull and Max uh, in Brazil or Qatar, maybe even Saudi Arabia, but it could all be done and dusted now by maybe even by Saudi, the penultimate race of the season. Let's hope not. We all want this to go to the last race of the season, as we've said before. Um, fingers crossed we do get a Abu Dhabi decider. That would be absolutely amazing. And that's what this championship deserves as well, because it has been a hell of a championship. We don't want one guy to run away with it now uh, as Max did with that race yesterday fingers crossed it doesn't doesn't happen the worrying thing is as well is that the battle for third place in the constructors could also potentially be over by the time we get to those last two races as well because Ferrari finishing in fifth and sixth and a pretty awful weekend for McLaren Danny Ricciardo involved obviously in the contact early on with uh, Valtteri Bottas and and passing was so difficult for both of those trying to work their way through the field there was no way back in the end Lando Norris Hasn't really lit the blue touch paper since everything that happened in Sochi as well, if I, I think I'm right in saying that, but I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm not. Sam, this third place battle in the constructors, Ferrari, we've said that they've just been slowly grinding back, coming and coming and coming on McLaren. And now they've got a pretty healthy advantage as well of, what, 13 and a half points over McLaren? Yeah, since they um, introduced the hybrid unit upgrade, um, Ferrari's been properly on it um they've they've probably been the team to beat in the midfield i think um and you, yeah you look back to russia and since then you really look at mclaren and go what what's happened it's it's just not the same is it um they've not made any changes obviously um but ferrari's upgrades just seem to have done the trick um i think brazil similar to the top two battle i think brazil is going to favor red bull and ferrari um, and then we've got these unknowns of Qatar and Saudi Arabia. So whatever happens will, at those two could decide things. Um, no one knows what Qatar is going to be like. It's obviously going to be boiling hot and it's a power sensitive circuit where overtaking looks as though it could be at a bit of a premium. Um, that That's putting it mildly. But yeah, um, I think Ferrari have got this. Um, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc finishing fifth and sixth there. Um, well, yeah, Lando 10th, one point for McLaren. It's it's not what they've been used to this year. I think it's, uh, I think Sam hit the nail on the head. If you have a look back through the season, the races that have tended to suit the Red Bull a bit more than Mercedes, the Ferraris have been strong as well. It all comes down to those tight and twisty sections of track. Again, you know, McLaren and Mercedes fast in sector one at Mexico, which takes in the two long straights. And then as soon as you get into the technical parts of the uh, of the track Ferrari and Red Bull came out on top as well so uh, I think Sam's absolutely spot on Ferrari should be strong at Brazil with, with the middle sector um, but then I kind of expect McLaren to come back in Qatar and, and Saudi just looking at the track layout um, I think it will suit them a little bit more um, with the with the sort of the medium to high speed corners rather than the low speed corners so uh if that happens, then we will get a bit of a, a a bit of a final race showdown. I think it might happen the other way around with Mercedes and Red Bull as well. So 
Fingers crossed, because as Ian said, I think both for first and second and third and fourth, you know, the championship deserves it. It's pretty much been classic after classic. Except for yesterday. <laughs> pretty much. There's a reason why I said pretty much. Yeah. Well, if you do want to have a closer look at the circuit in Saudi Arabia at Jeddah, then you can get on the YouTube channel and keep up to date with everything on that by hitting subscribe because we've got some content coming out from GP fans taking a visit to Saudi Arabia to have a look at the track. I have been told by those that went out there that it does look like it is going to be complete and ready to drive on by the time that we get round to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, which is always a positive thing because you can't have a race without a fully formed track, which uh, speaks to the obvious, really. But it is important to note that they are very optimistic that it will all be done and sorted in time. Shall we look ahead quickly to... Uh, oh, let's talk about, uh, before we look ahead, Pierre Gasly as well who deserves some credit because that was a fine weekend Ian in terms of he was just behind the top four or the top two constructors should I say all weekend kind of in a class of his own just ahead of everybody else and was really solid do you know what mate I'm going to defer to my uh, esteemed colleague Ewan Gale on this one <laughs> because he's the one that predicted uh, well he did predict Pierre winning that race but he did actually correctly predict uh, that Pierre would be the top non-Mercedes non-Red Bull driver in that race so uh hero worship for mr gale if you want to take that one over please mate and um, talk about pierre well he was just on stunning form all weekend wasn't he i mean so fast in qualifying not that far beyond the red bulls actually um pretty much on par um and that would have really thrown the cat amongst the pigeons if he'd got in between the red bulls and the mercs in qualifying um, but yeah, I thought he might have had a chance of winning uh, if there was a little bit of chaos at the first corner, maybe a bit of damage to the Red Bulls and the Mercedes, and then he would have been able to drive off into the distance. So um, a, a bit like Ocon and Vettel did at Hungary. So yeah, he just flying. And the best compliment you can pay to Gasly for his race on Sunday is that you never saw him. Mm. He was completely on his own. He completely outdrove both Ferraris and actually for the first half of the race he wasn't that far behind Perez so um, yeah really stunning drive from Gasly and again this sort of leaves you scratching your head as to why he's only at Alpha Tauri still after the last sort of year and a half of racing that he's done yeah it is a, it was another one of those unsung hero drives that he's put in consistently throughout this season and you do wonder as, as Ewan's pointed out why is he still there? Because unless Alpha Tauri all of a sudden make this ginormous leap next season when the new cars come out with the new aerodynamics, he's going to be continue to play that kind of role um, as this great driver, but not with Red Bull. And for whatever reason, Red Bull, they had the opportunity to bring him back. They didn't want to. There's something, as we've discussed before in this podcast, I know we have this something about Pierre that just doesn't sit well with Red Bull for whatever reason. Hopefully, he will get that good drive at some point. Does he have to leave the Red Bull family to do it? It's certainly looking like that might be the case. Obviously, he's going to give it next season uh, because no one knows what the field's going to be like next season. So he'll he'll probably sit tight, keep fingers crossed him, himself that uh, he's got a good car that he can challenge consistently again. But if he really wants to be a title contender as we know he does a race winning contender as we know he does then more than likely 
he's going to have to join one of the big boys outside of the Red Bull family. But will he be given that opportunity by one of those big boys? That's another question. This is the problem because what team is going to have an opening? I mean, the next team, arguably, to have an opening will be once Lewis Hamilton retires at Mercedes. But that's going to be in several years. Um, and Alpine as well. Everyone likes to link a French drive with a French team. Alonso's going to be there for several years and they've got an academy stacked with drivers that are desperately banging on the door to get into Formula 1 so I mean, you look at McLaren Ricardo won't stay forever because he's one of the older drivers on the grid Ferrari, young lineup. Red Bull, he won't end up there I think we're all certain on that so where is there a seat for Gasly that's better than Alpha Tauri in Formula 1 he's going to have to move outside Formula 1 and he could be one of the the drivers that F1 does lose to somewhere like IndyCar and regrets it. The thing is with Pierre, as Ian pointed out, is it's not just how fast he is, it's how consistent he's been all season. It wasn't a one-off. and He single-handedly dragged AlphaTauri to joint fifth in the standings. They're only behind Alpine because of Ocon's win. And for AlphaTauri to be level with the manufacturer is absolutely outstanding. And... As, as, as we've said throughout the season, Yuki Sonoda hasn't really contributed that much to the points or so. It really, really stunning from Gazi. As Sam said, it's, it's going to be a shame if he leaves without adding to his win tally. The one thing I would say is you're only as good as your last race in F1. And yes, we keep saying that these driver lineups are locked in for however many years. But yeah, if someone has a shocker, you never know, do you? I mean, I think we're at the point now where because we almost have a different young driver every single week that we say that we want to see in a better car than they're in at the moment we need the constructors to catch up with the quality of racer out there right now because formula one is only bringing in younger and younger drivers as well with as much or perhaps even more talent than those already on the grid and they think they can get more out of the uh, out of the poor cars that they're in at this point we need the constructors to, to you know up their game and turn this from a two horse constructors race into a five or six horse constructors race and we can really have you know a 12-man championship battle in the next few years and fingers crossed the regulations perhaps next year and going forward can provide that uh going forward we have the return of sprint qualifying it's not a race it's sprint qualifying sam are you excited for the term of sprint the return of sprint qualifying in brazil in sao paulo and uh what we're going to see in brazil coming up in terms of the race I'm not particularly excited for it, to be honest. Um, I was excited for the Silverstone sprint because it's something new and brilliant and we all got caught up in the moment of it going, oh, wow, short racing, this is brilliant. Hang on, I see this week in, week out in touring cars. Um, but yeah, um, Monza wasn't a great example of sprint. F1 wasn't going to take any decisions on what to do with sprint going forward until all three had been completed. But that plan seemed to get thrown out of the window, really. Um with six sprints have they officially been announced or are we yeah six sprints officially announced for next year um so i mean lap one will be interesting going through the center s's will be interesting um but give it half a lap and it'll be like mexico all over again i think um i think it will be closer between mercedes and red bull in brazil because i don't think it is another red bull track make no mistake of that but we know Hamilton has an affinity to Brazil because of his connection with Ayrton Senna or his fandom of Ayrton Senna. So that kind of could pull him along, give him extra couple of tenths when he needs it. 
Um, doubtless he'll have some kind of Senna tribute on his helmet. He always does in Brazil. Um, I wouldn't go right in this one as Max Verstappen win quite yet. I mean, Mexico, we thought we could. We could probably write most of the race report before the race. Um, but, yeah, the, this one... Yeah. Excited for the race itself, not sprint. You know how we say things come in threes, are they? Yeah. Here's the scenario. Silverstone, we had a sprint. Lewis and Max collide on Sunday. Monza, we had a sprint. Lewis and Max collide on Sunday. Brazil, we've got a sprint. I leave it there. Let's see what happens on Sunday. At least it would stop Lewis from, or stop Max from extending his championship advantage if we want to go that way. This is true. Keep it or we tight, could get another it. could get another Silverstone scenario where it's, it's they a have first corner that lends nicely to what you're saying as well. We'll go with your theory, and it'll be Valtteri that takes out Lewis. <laughs> takes out Lewis? Do you know what I mean? Takes oh yeah, takes out Lewis. Yeah, of course. Sorry. God, yeah, he, yeah. he's confused himself with I'm his own anchor dates. It's uh, it's the Valtteri is going to be the evildoer for Mercedes down to the wire and cost Hamilton the championship. Ian Parks has said it here first. He's inside the head <laughs> of the Mercedes driver. He knows what he's thinking. If you want to know what Ian is thinking along with Sam and you and of course get on to GP fans on the site and, and of course Twitter and Instagram at GP fans global to follow all their fine work there. And of course, subscribe to the GP Fan Stewards Room podcast on Anchor.fm, our host and all good podcasting outlets as well. Give us a like, a rate and a review. And of course, hit the subscribe button down below on YouTube as well to stay up to date with all of our video content. As I say, we'll have the work coming out from Saudi Arabia later on this week. And we're previewing the Brazilian Grand Prix coming up because that is in about six days time as we record this Monday. I got it right this week, guys. I got it right. And we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us and we'll be back at the same time next week.